I've preached and taught the Bible for like 50 years. I don't think I've ever preached about Gideon. I was trying to figure out why. Um, one is the story's kind of long. It's hard to get into even 40 minutes, let alone whatever time we got left here. But also, I think there's a few, a few other things. I, I, maybe I didn't feel the relevance. Maybe I didn't, you know, really, I didn't like this guy. He was a whiner, a complainer. He was fearful. He made excuses. He procrastinated. I mean, all the things you don't want a leader to do. And I thought, I, I'm not inspired by this guy. And I couldn't figure out how did he get in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11? I thought it must be a misprint. one of those things like, how, how did he get in there? But in the last week or so as I prepare, and I just felt God just giving me an urgency for this message, because I think it's an urgent message for you and I, you and me, I guess, you know, a message for, oh, anyway, I, I, my grammar's not a little off today. It, it, it's a, an urgent message for us, and it's an urgent message for America and for the church in America. It really, really, really is. And, uh, and I, this main thing I w was going to put as the subtitle is things aren't looking very good. I don't know if you watch the news at all or listen to the news or whatever, but the fact of the matter is, Things aren't looking very good oh, a lot of ways. But that's the way it was in the days of Gideon. And in a very short time, things turned around. And that just blew my mind. That just inspired me. I mean, I got, I got fired up about that. And I got inspired by this, by this story. And so, the, well, let me just go back a second. Things aren't looking good. I heard this story once about this old guy, so elderly guy, and he, he was taking a walk one Saturday morning past Little League baseball fields. And he sees this little kid, like seven, eight years old, in his uniform. He said, hey, how's the game going today, Sonny? And the kid said, well, we're behind 17 to nothing. And he had a big smile on his face. And the old man said, you look kind of cheerful to be down 17 to nothing. And the boy said, we haven't got up to bat yet. Now, that might just seem like a dumb story to you, but that's a prophetic story. I don't think the church has even got up to bat yet. I think we're behind. I think we're looking bad. I think we're on the ropes. But I don't even think we've begun to fight. I don't, even, I don't think we've even got started yet, you see. And so anyway, <laughs> good things are ahead. Here's a bunch of things. Boy, I got a lot of slides. This is just one of them. It, here's why things weren't looking good. Israel's predicament was the judgment of God. L look at this. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. See, if you would come, if you were CNN or Fox or something, and you did an investigative report, and you went to the Israelites, and you said, what's your biggest problem right now? They'd say, those stupid Midianites. But you know what? The Midianites weren't the real problem. The problem was God's people weren't right with him. God had given them in the hands of the Midianites. So unless you're getting right with God, you're never going to deal with the Midianites. Some of you got some Midianites in your life, but you're never going to get rid of them. You're never going to get victory over the Midianites unless you get right with God. Wow, help us. 
The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, that is a powerful phrase. People might think you're awesome. We had a testimony last Wednesday night. People thought this guy was awesome, made him an elder, made him a home group leader. People might think you're incredible, but that doesn't matter. What matters is who are you in the sight of God who knows all about you? In this case, the children of Israel, the people of Israel were evil in the sight of the Lord. See, there's almost 8 billion people in the world today. And if every single one of them thought you were great, but God said you need to repent, then you need to repent. If every one of them thought you were terrible, but God said you're my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased, God's opinion is the one that counts. Man. And so for seven years, these people were oppressed. Seven years. It's like seven years they hadn't got up to bat yet. They were doing bad. How about that? You know, why is it? I was thinking today, why is it? We, we preached a lot, sing a lot about revival around here, right? Why is it that it's delayed? We've prayed, we've sung, we've talked about it. You know one of the reasons why? It's really simple. We compare ourselves with other Christians. We compare ourselves with other churches. And we feel like we're doing okay. But you see, it doesn't matter how well you stack up with anybody else. It matters how are you in the presence of God. And Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, a prophet of God, right? Here's this prophet of God. And one day he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. And guess what Isaiah says? I'm a man of unclean lips, among a people of unclean lips. That had never occurred to him before. Because if, if Jesus isn't in the picture and you're not seeing him, then you don't realize how much you really need to repent. I, I had a confirmation of why I'm even doing this message at all. I had a confirmation today at Le Peep Restaurant before church. I, I felt led to witness to this guy. His name was Sid. And I said, Sid, are you a believer in Jesus? He said, well, you know, back and forth. I said, that's great. Today you can be back. <laughs> That's really what I said. <laughs> you know, back and forth, this can be one of the back days. Man, fantastic. That's great. <laughs> but then I told him, I said, but the back and forth stuff has got to stop. And that confirmed what I'm talking about. That's why Israel did evil. The problem with Israel was they were back and forth. They were back and forth. Some days they were going to follow the Lord, and some days it was Baal, Yasser. They, they wanted to hedge their bets and have all kind of gods, you see? That never works. God says, you have no other gods before me. It's not a back and forth thing. If, if some of you are back and forth today, I encourage you, shut the door on the fourth. We're going forward. How about that? I've decided to follow Jesus, and what? No turning back. How about that? God help us. So, seven years, they were oppressed. <laughs> biblical success seeker. I don't know if we're going to have time for all these. What, what, what my point is about the biblical success things, the Bible tells us how to live. You know, I've been reading Proverbs lately. You know, it's not just religious success secrets. These are just secrets about life, okay? 
Look at this. Beware of focusing on external enemies if the real problem is your relationship with God. Some of you think the Republicans are going to save you or the Democrats are going to save you or this president or some other president. You know, the, the fact of the matter is the only thing that will save us is the presence of God and his favor on our lives and our country. External enemies are not the real issue. The real issue is right in the human heart. Help us, God. Secondly, goes along with the first one. In any endeavor, you'll never succeed unless you're fully committed and all in, not double-minded or half-hearted. There's some people today that are half-hearted about their marriage, half-hearted about their career, half-hearted about God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Wholehearted. God, make us wholehearted. Half-hearted doesn't work. It doesn't work in the Christian life. It doesn't work in anything. <laughs> You've got to be wholehearted. Well, I love that number two. The Israelites had become accustomed to hiding out and just playing defense. What would happen? If you had a football team, kind of like the Panthers, you say, you know, our defense is better than our offense, then we're just going to play defense. If we ever get the ball, we'll just punt it away because, you know, our defense is better. What would happen? You would lose, right? You'd lose every game. You'd never score any points. And that's what happened to the Israelites. The hand of Midian overpowered them, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. They were just hiding out. Oh, God. It is time for the church to get out of the caves, get out of the strongholds, get out of the dens, get out of your little us for no more kind of stuff. It's time for us to get on the offense. You see? It's too much defense. Defense only takes you so far. They were trying to mitigate their losses, but they weren't taking any ground. It wasn't a good situation. Things weren't looking good. Biblical secret. If all you ever do is hide from trouble and play it safe, you will never make any progress or score any points in life. Wow. There's a little, a cute little statement about turtles. They only make progress if they stick their neck out. <laughs> Some of you haven't stuck your neck out for a long time, you know. Well, number three, the enemy continually ripped them off and stole their harvests. They would plant crops and the Midianites would come and they would just take them all. Like locust in number, they come, they couldn't be counted, they laid waste, and Israel was brought very low. You know what? It's not, it's not necessarily totally a bad thing if you're brought very low, if you realize that in your very low part, it's time to look up about that. There's a humble yourself before in the sight of the Lord, and he'll raise you up. But these guys were brought low by their oppression. Isn't, isn't that something? Wow. Some of you have planted crops. You've done some things, and you've gotten ripped off. You've got ripped off over and over and again. That's what happened to the Israelites for seven years. They got ripped off. Things got taken from them. Hey, Jesus talked about it. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill, and destroy. That's what was going on here. But look at this. What are the lessons? If you put up with bullies, you'll be bullied forever. And so for seven years, they put up with this stuff. 
They put up with the Midianites. They never went in the offense. They just hid in their caves and just hoped they could survive. Survival is not God's objective for your life. Victory is his objective for your life. Taking ground is his objective for your life. If you, only, if you put up with bullies, are there bullies in your life that you're putting up with? God forbid. And then this is, this is a prophetic thing from a couple of weeks ago in a prayer meeting. If things are at low tide, there's a good chance the tide is about to turn. That's a real, that's a word for somebody. We were in prayer before church a couple of weeks ago, and I just saw so clearly, oh man, you know, in some ways, the church is at low tide in America, you know? Things, things are kind of low, but hey, that's not all bad because the tide is going to turn. I believe God's going to do that. I'm excited. Well, number four. <laughs> so you cry out to God and say, Lord, help us. We need a hero, and uh, God chooses a hero. How about that? <laughs> but it turns out that the hero, he's not planning strategies against the Midianites. He's just like everybody else, trying to play it safe trying to beat out the wheat and keep it from the Midianites and hide out and everything. That, that's the hero that, that we got. And the angel comes to him and says, the Lord is with you. <laughs> he would say that to you today. How about, the Lord is with you, oh mighty man of valor. You see, Gideon didn't look like a man of valor. He didn't look mighty. He didn't feel mighty. And in fact, right after this verse, what's he do? He objects. He basically says, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, you're trying to get Bill Eubank and you got me. I mean, you know, it's, it's like somehow you, you got the wrong person. I'm not, you might have the wrong address. I'm not the mighty man of valor. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what? God has a word for you that is way bigger than what you could ever dream or imagine about your life. He does. And you might not feel like, feel it today. You might not have felt it for a while, but God says, in my spirit, you are a mighty man of valor. But one of the reasons I didn't like Gideon is because he seemed like a fraidy cat. He seemed like he always had excuses. He seemed like he was always making it difficult and, and, and uh, objecting to what God had in mind for his, his life. And here's what, here's what I pictured uh, Gideon being like. Who, me? Mighty man of valor. Barney Fife. Some of you feel like that. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like the, the job's too big for me. But, but look at this verse. This is an incredible verse. I, I, I want you to claim this verse today. Judges chapter 6, verse 34. But, <laughs> here's Barney Fife, you know, or the cowardly lion and in that show or whatever, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet. God's spirit wants to clothe you today, but that might take a change of, of clothes, you see, because <laughs> you've been dressed in the, the cloth of shame and inferiority and I can't do it and I'm not the person and I, I feel kind of weak and kind of frail and, you know, get somebody else and, you know, <sighs> 
the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Let's just pray that just for a second here today. Father, we pray that, that your Spirit would clothe us, us today, Lord God. No matter how inferior, no, how inadequate, Lord, how, how not up to the job that we might feel like, we thank you for the Holy Spirit clothing us today, empowering us today, Lord. Thank you, God. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to do it in our own strength. Like Laura said earlier, it's about you and your power and your glory, Lord. Thank you, Father. Do it, Lord. Wow. So, <laughs> biblical secret, even if you're feeling overwhelmed and inadequate, like Barney Fife, like Gideon, everything will begin to change when you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you. God, do it, Lord. Do it for us. Number five, Gideon was full of excuses. I already mentioned that. You know, one of the, the first excuses, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Have you ever asked that question? You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And you say, God, if you're really for me, what am I going through this stuff for? We could, we could have a whole message on that one. But the next one is interesting. Where are all the wonderful deeds? A lot of versions say, where are all the miracles? Where are all the miracles that our fathers recounted us? Now, that's a good question. I'm with, I'm with Gideon on that one. But you know what? If there's a lack of miracles, it's not God's fault. He wants to give the miracles. He wants to just keep doing the wonders. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where are the miracles? Well, <laughs> it's like, where is our faith? <laughs> so, he so says again, show me a sign. If now I've found favor in your eyes, show me a sign. Show me a sign. We're always looking for a sign. Here's the biblical success secret. It's unlikely you'll ever find a better time to start. So quit your excuses and procrastination and get started now. <laughs> Some of you have a dream. You want to start a book, you know. Uh, about, I don't know, like 30 years ago, Robert Whitlow started a book, and he's still writing every year. <laughs> Cranking a book out, you know. But some of you are always, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a ministry. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to reach out to the poor. I'm going to get started. <laughs> get started. Today, you're never going to find a better time. You know, we're kind of looking, oh, i got to make sure it's a sunny day and make sure that I feel the spirit and make sure I have enough money. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to feel ready. It's never going to seem like a perfect time. Just get started now. Number six, God severely pruned Gideon's fledgling army. This is a famous story. So here's the deal. There are about 135,000 Midianites, okay? 135,000, it says in chapter 8. Gideon had 32,000. <laughs> That's not very good. And then God says, you know, you got too many people. Too many people. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, got, I only got 32,000. They got 135,000. I'm not very good at numbers. You know, my, my son-in-law is here today. He's good at numbers. But I can figure out there's a, there's a disadvantage there, right? And God says, you got too many. He says, tell everybody who's fearful they can just go home. Now, you know who I thought would go home first? Gideon, you know, okay, you know, that's what I would have thought, but he was too proud for that, he said, oh, I, I guess, I guess I won't be the first one, and then I thought, well, only a few people, you know, there's a few, you know, Freddie Cat kind of people, and they'll go home, 
But that's not what happened. 22,000 of the 32,000, 22,000 were fearful and went home. That's over two-thirds of the people were fearful. Now, what would happen if in the church we got up and said, hey, if any of you guys are afraid, any of you guys are fearful, oh, well, there's my glasses, who cares? If any of you are fearful, go home. And what if two-thirds would leave? Oh, wait, that happened. <laughs> oh, I'll let that sink in a little bit. I'll let that sink in a little bit. God hates fear because it's the opposite of faith. And it cripples us. Hardly anything cripples us as much as fear does. And if we fear God, we really have nothing to fear except for him. He wants to set us free. Perfect love casts out fear. So many verses. The fear of man brings a snare. It's time to be set free from fear. How about that? And so two-thirds of Gideon's army leaves because of fear. And he's left with 10,000 people against 135,000 Midianites. That's not looking good, right? And guess what God says in the next slide here? The people are still too many. Come on. God, do you know how many there are of those Midianites? Do you know how few we have? We got 10,000. They got hundreds of that. Come on. And God has, he, look at this. Take them down to the water. I will test them for you there. That word test, oh man, that's a relevant word right now. I don't know if you know it or not. God has been testing you. God has been testing America. God has been testing the Christians in America. I don't know if you realize it or not. Every day, every minute, we are being tested. I don't want to freak you out or anything, but that's the truth. God said, take them down to the water and they'll be tested. And he said, there's going to be two kinds of people. Some of the people are, are going to be like dogs and they're going to stay on all fours and they're going to drink the water, but they're going to be like that. And then there's going to be some other people. We'll see how this works. There's going to be some other people who kneel down and they bury their face in the water. Man, you can tell those people to go home. Now, why? Why is that? Because many of us are absorbed in the cares of life and getting our own needs met and we're not alert and ready and realizing we're in a day of battle. You see? So help us, God. Where are, where are the people that are alert? We've buried our face in the water. We're caring for our, our own situation. But God says, look up, be alert, be ready, don't be fearful. Those are the kind of people I need in my army. Biblical success secrets. The pathway to victory is often paved through pruning rather than through expansion. You want to bear more fruit? God, I want to bear more fruit. He says, okay, wait a minute, I said I wanted to bear more fruit, <laughs> you know, John chapter 15, my, my grandpa, who I talked about last Wednesday, I think in prime, was born in Italy, and he came to America, and he had grape vineyards, just like he did back in Italy, and one day I came to his house, and he had cut those things down to like nothing, I said, grandpa, what's wrong? You love those grapevines. Every year he would make his own wine, you know, like in August or something at the right time. What are you doing? 
he said, I pruned them because if I didn't prune them, there'd be a lot of grapes, but they'd be little, they'd be shriveled up, they wouldn't have any juice in them. So I cut them back. So there's fewer grapes, but they're full of grape juice, whatever, wine. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for pruning. Next one. Fear and distraction are two of the biggest hindrances to the successful completion of your assignments. What are you afraid of? If God has given you the assignment, he says, I'll be with you and I'll help you fulfill the assignment. The second one is distraction, putting your head in the water, getting distracted. I gave you an assignment and you're all wrapped up in something else. Help us, Lord. Just a couple more. I think we're going to get through it. Number seven, God had an unusual strategy for victory. You know, 300 people were adequate only because God had a strategy. And it's, it's a strange strategy, you know, a totally strange strategy. Got to look at, I spent $20 for this at Home Goods yesterday. You know, so, so this is important here. Boy, it's a little hard to do without a microphone. He, he said, okay, give everybody a jar. Give everybody a torch. I can't really do it left hand. There we go. Give everybody a torch and give everybody a trumpet. Frankly, that was one of the things that I don't understand how they did that. They only got two hands. I don't know how they did I don't know. I don't, if you can figure it out, let me know. And, and he said, you go on the edge of the thing in the middle of the night and you shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. <laughs> oh, okay, what's our weapon? What, what do we, you know, we have a, a jug, we have a torch, we have a trumpet, but how are we going to beat the Midianites? <laughs> I mean, you see how the Bible is, is a wild kind of thing. And, and, and also the, a sword. They're shouting about a sword. But if you look at the passage, they didn't even have swords. And if the Midianites really knew what was going on, they would just attack these Israelites that just had jugs in their hand and, and torches. You see? I mean, it, it's crazy. But you know, if you know what the story has, unfolds, the Midianites attack each other, and they go on the run. I don't know if Molly, my daughter, remembers a verse we used to teach all the time. James 4, 7, resist the devil, and he will run away. Hey, right. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, we, we taught memory verse songs. And, and that's what happened. Submit yourself to God, James 4, 7 says. Resist the devil, and he'll run away. And that's what happened with the Midianites. They ran away. But the other thing that is so powerful about this is they smashed the jars. I wish we had a whole message just to talk about that. God, through brokenness, gives us the victory. Through brokenness, the light shines forth. Through brokenness, the fragrance comes like it did for that woman with the alabaster jar of perfume. Through brokenness, the victory comes. Wow, isn't that something? Well, God, has, this is a great one, really, you think about it. God has already put in your hands everything you need for victory, so now you just must follow his instructions. Do you see how, how crazy that is? I got a jug in my hand. I got a torch in my hand. I got a trumpet in my hand, a shofar, basically. I have everything I need for victory. <laughs> Do you feel like you have everything you need for victory? A lot of times we don't feel like it. I'm not feeling the Lord. Those Midianites, they got camels and they got 
you know, swords and they got a lot of stuff. I, I don't think we got what we need. Throughout the Bible, God said to Moses, what's in your hand? I just got a shepherd's staff. How's that going to work against the biggest nation on earth, Egypt? God has put in your hand what you need for victory today. You just need his instructions for what to do with it. Wow, isn't that something? Well, here's how it ends. We didn't make it to the end. That's amazing. <laughs> After Gideon's many fears, delays, and miscues, it only took a few days for his steps of faith and obedience to result in 40 years of peace. Judges 8.28, so Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more, and the land had rest 40 years in the days of Gideon. Wow. Seven years they were oppressed. They could have probably had victory at any point, but they didn't. So the time went on. And nothing happened until finally God raises Gideon up. And if you read the story, it was only a few days between when God first called him and when things turned around. Well, look at this great success secret here. The key to a fruitful life tomorrow is boldly taking steps of faith and obedience today. How good is your tomorrow going to be? It's in your hand today to figure that out. If you obey the Lord today, if you trust him today, if you take the steps you're supposed to take, it can result in 40 years. Think about that. A few days of obeying God, turn things around after seven years of oppression to 40 years of peace and blessing. Wow. I, 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 sign me up, Lord. I want to see that happen. It's time to seize our Gideon moment, you guys. How about that? Are you ready to seize the moment, to seize the time? Are you ready to step up? You know, yeah, we've been oppressed. We've been hiding in caves, <laughs> fearful, unbelieving, timid, Barney Fife-ism. Hey, it's time to rise up. Thank you, Father God. Arise, shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Father, we, we look today to you to raise us up, Lord, to do your will, to turn things around, Lord God. Turn things around in our personal lives, our families, our nation, our church. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you that low tide is going to become high tide and oppression is going to become a powerful testimony of your glory and your grace, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Align us with you, God. Forgive us for our double-mindedness. Thank you, Father. We give you praise, Lord. Amen.